In this episode, we interview Carol Miller, founder of Positive Focus. Positive Focus is an organization on a mission to focus on one positive thought, word, and action at a time to create a more loving, kind, compassionate, and peaceful world. Thanks for tuning, everyone. Today, we are graced by the presence of Carol Miller, who is the founder of Positive Focus. Carol, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So Positive Focus, what is it about? Um, Well, it's really all about spreading love, kindness, compassion, and peace, one positive thought, word, and action at a time. Most of our action comes in the form of hugs, but it's really about to help people focus on what they want in their life rather than what they don't want. All right. Boom. Elevator pitch. Done. (laughs) (laughs) So, Carol, um, what's what's your history? So what led you to want to be the founder of this, this organization? Yeah, I started just doing some different um, education on my own. I've always been a fairly positive person and into personal development. I would say positive psychology and all that type of thing. And then I just realized instead of creating a business, I wanted to help support people learn how to be more positive in their own life. I think a lot of people see positivity as fake and pretending the world is rainbows and unicorns. And although it would be awesome if the world was rainbows and unicorns. We all have challenges in our life. So it's about meeting our challenges with a little bit more grace and gentleness. So that that's what I'm here to do. All right. Um, And then so positive focus, what's the history? When did you do the founding and how long you've been around? Yeah, I so I started doing some events here in Chicago. I live in Chicago. Um, I did book clubs, movie nights, through the platform of Meetup is where I started it at. And the more I got into it, the more I realized I wanted to make it a nonprofit. So I started doing events in 2007, and then we became an official nonprofit in 2009. And in 2008 is when we started doing the free hugs part. And so our shift, really, when we found the power of what offering a hug meant to people, we really shifted our focus more into it being more about the connection and seeing people and and that physical touch element. So a lot of our focus is turned into the hug movement. What are some of the positive effects of hugs that you've seen? Because I'm sure you've given thousands of hugs, thousands um, if of not hugs. more, yes. and, and yes. received yes. thousands, of course, because uh, yes. it's a give and receive. So what are some of the, 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 the impacts of, of hugs? Yeah, well, I, I want to start on the fact my very first experience, which was in January of 2008. So it's freezing cold in Chicago. We're at Navy Pier, but they won't let us be inside. So we had, I had to sign a protest form to be there. I was terrified. I was not a hugger before this moment. The thought of hugging strangers was terrifying to me, but I had seen a YouTube video of it happening around the world and other places. So I knew I wanted to try it. And so it really was stepping out of my comfort zone. And that first time we didn't get a lot of hugs because there wasn't a lot of people out. It was snowing and cold, but we kept doing it because we did see that. And so I've had people celebrating birthdays, anniversaries, weddings. We, we have pictures of um, women in their wedding gowns because we're right there at Old Water Tower. So people come there to take pictures. But honestly, my favorite hugs are the ones for people who are hurting and suffering for some reason. Maybe they're lonely or they've lost their job. And I had an older woman come up and her husband had died two weeks prior and she was crying, seeing how she missed his hugs. So we kind of cried together as I held her. So all of the hugs are awesome. But when I'm able to comfort somebody who is hurting, that's the ones that are most special to me. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, where where do you even go? So I know you have events coming up, but I want to talk a little bit more about the hugging. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned initially that there, um, the whole positivity is is sometimes viewed as like woo woo or is like unrealistic yeah. or something. Yeah, talk I, I about think how that's are, changed over time. Have you well, seen it? And, like, yeah. And I think for me, it's changed over time. I definitely used to be that person because I have been fairly positive all my life. It's yeah. like just be happy. Life is good. And if you're going through a hard time and somebody says that to you, you probably want to smack them because life isn't good in that moment for them. (laughs) So it's about finding the places that you can bring a little goodness in and honoring where you are right now. It's not about pretending that you have a hard time going on and pretending it's not there, which is what I think a lot of people think being positive is, is to pretend, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the whole um, ostrich with their head in the sand. It's like, if it, if I'm pretending it's not there, then everything is great in my life. And I do think some people do do that and they try to pretend bad things aren't happening. But for me, it's really about facing those challenges and bringing a little gentleness to it and just taking small steps forward to feel a little bit better. When we're in awareness of how we feel, then we can shift from there. If we're on autopilot, life is living us. We are not living our lives. Yeah. And how do you go about like, um, like trying to, you, you're, you're also a coach, right? You, you do a lot of personal coaching. How do you know how much to push back against people or maybe not even that, but like, how do you understand, um, where they're at in their, um, in, in their suffering or their hurting journey to know right. like when to start introducing the positivity conversation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is a great question. And I would have to say in the early beginnings of my coaching and positive focus, I was that person that's like, you need to be positive and here's how you can do it. Yeah. Well, unless somebody, and I still get people like, you need to coach my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my boss. If you're not ready for it, it's not yeah. going to work. So I used to be the like, let's, let me help you. And I don't do that as much anymore. I catch myself on occasion still yes, doing yes, it, yes, but it's same. really about listening and saying, Hey, do you want advice or do you just, are you just wanting to talk? I think so many people just want to be heard. Yep. And as soon as I step in to try to give solutions, they're shut down because they're not in solution mode. They are in, this doesn't feel good. Just listen to me mode. Yeah. So I, I may coach a little differently than other people. Like I always tell people I work with, you will not get on a call from me and be be disappointed that you didn't get whatever I recommended you do done. I mean, that's not the point. So it's really about supporting people where they are and helping them get to where they want to be. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely people that just need to be heard. I feel like that in some of the um, experiences I've had too, I'm very similar to you, especially a few years ago when I I'm a very positive person myself and um, I do do need to similarly, I used to do it, need to do it more, but catch myself and, and um, even, even kind of recently, right. Sometimes I just don't give, give time for people to like um, feel like crappy about what just happened. I'm already like thinking of like, what is the solution? Like, this is a problem. Here's a solution. But it's like, I, a lot of times I cannot be going to that solution. I just either need to listen or the, the other aspect is just being present, just being there. Right. Um, giving somebody a hug, not saying anything whatsoever, just like being with them in silence, even sometimes. Well, and sometimes there isn't a solution. They're hurting because yeah. of a loss of a loved one. I yeah. can't fix yeah, that. You can't fix that. I, yeah. I can be there for them in that journey, but I can't 
I can't make them all better, like bring their loved one back, but I can certainly be witness to it and support them however I can support them. Yeah. Um, So I've, we've been like organization, we've interviewed a lot of different nonprofits and I've met a lot of amazing people. um, And and I feel like I've learned a ton through this process. Um, And I'm sure it's the same for you doing a lot of coaching, working with people through a lot of the, 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 the challenges that they're facing in their lives. Um, Do you like, are there any memorable moments of, of key learnings that you've had maybe through that process of however many years you've been doing this for, where there's like an aha moment, like, no way, like, I probably, this is where maybe I'm pushing too hard on being positive or even something completely different. I think it really comes from, and I don't know when it shifted for me, but I used to really jump in. I'm a solutions type of person. I'm <laughs> yes. a doer. So it's always like, they say something, I'm like, I'm ready to fix it right now. Cause mm. I don't want people to hurt, Yes, <laughs> but hurting itself isn't bad. It's how long do you stay in that hurt? And so you feeling your feels allows you to move forward. So I think that my early on coaching and early on positive focus was much more of the unrealistic positivity that I do see a lot of people negating having a positive attitude because they think that you're pretending. And there's the whole adage of fake it till you make it. Yeah. I believe that that's a possibility too, but you have to feel that as well. Like you have to know that you're, you're working for it to feel better than rather than pretending it to feel better. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and what, what, there's another expression of, um, like feeling like you're not as good for the current role that you're in imposter syndrome, right? That's another thing that sometimes fake it to make it goes along with, but I feel like they're a little different. Um, yeah, well, and I yeah. think a lot, I mean, when I talk about positivity, I work off of a scale of zero to 100. So zero, you're always negative or 100, you're always positive. Mm-hmm. My personal work is to be in the 80 to 100% of the time. So fear, the imposter syndrome, all of those things can pop up into my head, but because I have tools to work with them, they don't stay as long as they used to. So I think when people focus on being Like, I love it when people say they're always kind. Um, I've been doing this work for many years and I'm not always kind. I'm kind the majority of the time. Yes, yes. And often my unkindness comes towards myself. Mm. Like probably after this interview, I will, as soon as we say goodbye, I will say, why didn't I say this? Or why did I say that? (laughs) Very self-critical, but yeah, again, sometimes that's that's not being kind to do that. So when people say always, um, I'm not a big user of always or never. There's 7 billion people on this planet. I can't begin to say what is right for 7 billion, but I can work on the majority of time for me. So it's really about, kind of being a little less um, hard on yourselves to realize those feelings are going to pop up. Even the most positive people still have moments of, I could still be better than I am or whatever, or maybe it's in their relationships. They have a little bit less um, self-confidence or it's in their job. I think all of us have some places within us that we might need to bolster that self-confidence a little bit more. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I come from a sports background and, and what you're saying, I'm relating it to that um, is like when, say so you gave the example of after this phone phone call, you might be thinking about, oh, why didn't I bring that up? That, yeah. that self-criticality, um, I, I feel like there's extremes. Like I, how do you know when being that self-critical is is kind of an improvement for you to to get better and be better at something versus 
right. being toxic. <laughs> well, and I think it all goes back to how it feels because yeah. I'm not a big fan of the word critical anyway, mm. like self-awareness is like, oh, I can do this better. I can enhance this product. But as soon as I go into criticizing myself, I'm probably not focused on solutions. Mm. I'm focused on keeping myself small, which might be comfortable because there's less um, visibility. And I think people really do want to be seen and heard in the world. So it's easy to play that small part, but it's really about, are you criticizing yourself or are you looking at ways to improve yourself? And a lot of the work I do is really nuanced based. I'm really big with words and the choice of words that I use because I know words have such power. Yep. And once spoken, they live. I can apologize to you if I said something mean to you, but those words are now out there to be heard and to, to really be brought into you. So it's important to me on the way I choose my thoughts, the way I choose my words and the way I choose my actions. Okay. Wow. What, who have been some of your influences that have shaped you to who you are now in your, uh, in your life? <laughs> excellent question. Yeah. And it's probably changed over the years, mm -hmm. but the people, um, I don't know that you can see, but I have a lot of sticky notes and stuff mm -hmm. around me and I have pictures of my mentors. And some of them are people that I have met in, in person, but many of them I have not. Um, Mr. Rogers is a mentor of mine. Mm -hmm. Wayne Dyer, Brian Stevenson, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, mm -mm. but he does a lot of work on um, injustice in African-Americans and in jail. He has a, a nonprofit called Equal Justice, Equal Justice Initiative, and he does amazing work. And he's been doing this work for 30 years and still remains positive and hopeful, even though he's doing some pretty hard work out there. So anytime I start feeling a little bit like, oh boy, this isn't working, I think of the work he does and still keeps moving forward. Mm -hmm. So it's really about having those influences and um, those are the big ones for me. Gotcha. And you brought up another idea from that too, as well as coaching. And I'm not, I'm not a coach myself, but I'm a, I assume that people are coming to you because they have something that they want to improve. Like if everything is fine and dandy, most likely they're not going right. to think they need a coach. Right. Well, so, yes and no. Think about yeah. the sports world. They still have coaches, even that's true, though that's they are major league <laughs> baseball players or whatever. So that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, so, so like it, I, I'm maybe a, a lot of the conversations people that you're speaking with might have like a, a, like they're grieving a loss or, um, or they're yeah. going through something where they lost a job. So how do you, um, and you kind of alluded to it by the, one of the mentors you said of how, how does this person um, still go on? And when he's working with such like dire consequences right. and situations, like how do you not let that mentally impact you having these, I don't want to say negative in the negative sense, but like not right. happy conversations. The heavier, so the heavier yeah. issues that we deal with. Yeah. I think um, what I remind myself of is I can't be poor enough to make you well. I can't be, or I can't be poor enough to make you rich. I can't be sick enough to make you well. So I just remind myself that I'm there to observe and to support, not to absorb it. And it doesn't mean that some conversations I have, I don't absorb it for a while because yep. you don't yep. want to see people hurting. Yep. But I really do know that by me hurting is not lessening their hurt. If it lessened their hurt, then I probably would take it on because I don't want them to hurt. Yes, yes. But I know it doesn't work that way. So I just have to remind myself. And sometimes it's to go do something nice and just get out of that energy as well. Yeah. But. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, so positive focus. Um, a a yes. lot of what we've been talking about just feed into a lot of the work that you're doing. Um, yeah. Your global 
um, hug events um, have COVID has kind of impacted them a little bit, uh, but what's kind of like the current and the future outlook for, for that programming that you do? Yeah. So I started, so I started doing free hugs in January, 2008 mm-hmm. on my way to walking to the hug event in uh, July or August that year. I'm like, huh, wouldn't it be fun to do this globally? So I started emailing people and got a group in fall of 2008. And since then we've been doing it annually, mm-hmm. however, have not in 2020, 2021. And usually it's the first weekend in May. We will not be doing it in May of this year. Mm-hmm. I am hoping to bring it back in September yeah. of this year. Um, it'll be if it's safe to do so, right. but it's really been, I mean, even the experiences of having people around the world hugging at the same weekend and getting the feedback on what my huggers have felt from it. I mean, it's just so impactful to see. And I really firmly believe that when people feel seen and heard, Mm. they're less likely to harm themselves or others. So it's about connecting people. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something to be said, too, for like a global event where everyone is doing the same thing that people could point to of saying, like, I was a part of something or I was part of a community or an event that was really impactful. Well, and it's yeah. been a learning experience too. First of all, geography is not my strength. So when somebody <laughs> emails me that they're joining, I'm like, where, what continent are they on? What time zone are you in? <laughs> yeah, <June>? exactly. But <laughs> like, you forget, I had a woman and this was many years ago as near the beginning. I don't know if it's the same there, but she joined me from Singapore and she joined the last few days before the event. And she's like, I need to have a permit or I could get arrested. I'm like, oh, no, 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 do not hug with me this weekend if it's not yeah. safe for you to do. <laughs> like, I did not think about that. Um, for Chicago, at least, I suspect many places in the country, I have been asked to step away from private property. But yep. when I'm in a public space, I'm allowed to do it. Right. I would be asked to leave. I'm not going to get arrested for doing it. <laughs> so I, I, that was a whole new learning thing. So I had to remind myself, OK, I need to add that to the list to make sure People do it in a safe place and, and that kind of thing. So it was really a, and she ended up still doing it that weekend, even though I told her not to, but she just kind of kept her sign hidden and okay. then pulled it out every now and then kind of thing. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, don't need uh, a hugger arrested. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, and the global impact I think is, is, is eye opening that you got such engagement. It reminds me of um, so I always refer to this book. I don't know why, probably, I guess it's because it's had an impact on me. It's called the book of joy. And it's just like a compilation of the interviews. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? The Dalai Lama and Desmond. Yes. Yeah. Oh my. I have a copy of it right here. I, <laughs> so, I, I yeah. seriously was going to have it in the view. I'm like, no, yeah. I do not need to have that. Book oh my in the gosh. View. I referred this to a lot of people because he answers and they answer a lot of the questions of like, how do you say positive? Like in the apartheid, like, like, yes. When, yes. so, um, but one and of the, because of their yeah. experiences, like I am a white woman who certainly there's challenges, but I have a lot of privilege in my mm-hmm. life too. So it would be easy for an outsider to say, well, of course, and I do, I have people say, well, of course you're positive. Your life is easy. I'm like, oh no, it's not necessarily yeah. easy. I choose to focus on it. Um, but with these two men and what they have gone through, and then they still remain that. And I don't know if I told you, but Desmond Tutu joined me for Global Hugs twice. So what? He, is, he is one of my, like he is on my list here too. I should have yeah. mentioned him as a mentor. Wow. In in, 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 the, in that book, one thing that they say all the time is shared humanity. And yeah. I think you, like the global, 
uh, events that you're doing just highlights that. Um, yeah. and, and it kind of humanizes humans <laughs> across well, the world. <laughs> it is easy, especially like I like to say, look at the world one person 7 billion times rather than 7 billion people, because it's easy if you don't know of another culture or a group of people, it's easy to be afraid of them. And generally, when you get to the heart of people, I mean, we may have differences in culture and race, but we want to be happy. We want to be safe. We want to have the capacity to provide for our families. So, again, I'm not going to say everyone. There might be some people who are hardwired to not want that. But the vast majority of us want the same things in life. We just may go at it a different way. And as their book explains, the people who are doing the harm, it's it's out of their fear. Like it's mm-hmm. still about returning back to how you can support. And when we're angry at the people who are angry, we're just creating more of that. Yeah. What 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 do you think is the solution <laughs> to, to, glo- to the global fear? <laughs> um, Other than hugs. Other than hugs. Yeah. Com- yep. Compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where Brian Stevenson um he his book is called Just Mercy. You might have seen the movie as a few. Yeah, years ago. I've seen the movie. Yep, yep. Um, but his point is, he has met people in jail um, who absolutely need to be there. They have done horrendous things, and he said, "But when you listen to their backstory, you can have mercy. You can have compassion. They still need to be there because of their actions, but you can see what brought them to that." So I think if we were all able to step back, and sometimes it's hard to step back in the moment that it's happening. Right. Right. But yep, yep. when you're thinking about something, it's like, what brought that person to do that? Mm-hmm. What is their backstory? And one of the things that um, I don't want to call it a pet peeve because I'm not even a big fan of that word. But when people's like mother's love is the best love in the world. Well, maybe a healthy mother's love is the best love in the world. I have several friends who did not have healthy mothers. Mm. So when they hear that statement, it's hurtful because their mother wasn't that. Mm. But then when you learn what brought their mother to where they are, most of them have really hard lives. Um, There is psychology where people just have wiring off. So it's not necessarily from a life Uh, experience, but the majority of people who are doing harmful or fearful things, it's their background is pretty um, awful as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, I think one of the activities that, that could lead to getting to that place of mercy is just asking why multiple times to to get to the root of it, instead of looking in the, the, looking at the book by its cover and of course judging it and, and saying, Oh, that person X person did Y. Well, they obviously should be there on to the next one. Like they're not human. It's just like, and be willing because yeah, if that yeah. person is in such anger, they may not even be willing to look at their why, mm. yep. but it's really about the opportunity to, and again, like for me, compassion does not negate consequences, but I am able to look past the situation to see some con- that. Yes, they have consequences, but I don't need to further pouring more yeah. um, on top of them for what happened. Yeah. And yeah. And thinking of it like a math equation, like how could you get to a place of compassion? Um, yeah. you, you can uh, dive like dive into the, the backstory of why somebody did something. Um, you could not meet them. I don't This is kind of a different example, but like just trying to to get closer to a community to understand them or get closer to people to understand them and, and 
their backgrounds is getting so much harder now because of social media. And of course, of course, because of COVID, I feel like a lot of the social media, the things that we see right now are so targeted and so like sensationalized um, and, and are just spitting out what is just feeding into what you want to hear. And I want to hear um, that it's so hard to get to the truth of something on the internet nowadays, even though it's out there, it's just, it's, it's, it's a needle in a haystack. A lot of times we we tend to be uh, an immediate um, or people. And so we just read a headline and I don't know about you, but there's many a headline. I go in and read the article and the headline doesn't even match the article. And that frustrates me so much. I know, but then people share just from the headline. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, don't share unless you've read it. And then if, if you still feel it to be factual, that's a whole different thing, but we jump to conclusions very quickly before even looking. And, you know, life is pretty complex. Even the horrific things that happen, I would love to say, you know, love's the answer, but there's Mm -hmm. a lot of steps to get to that. So it's not as easy as they're right, you're wrong, or I'm right and you're wrong. There's a lot of complexities and nuances to know instead of just making those really quick decisions. So yeah, yeah, the challenge it is, it is. And, and I think it's been a shift. So this is a hypothesis of mine uh, that I've been thinking on. So I I feel like, uh, people's responses, um, think of them in like three categories, like a response due to feeling or a response due to, um, thinking and a response due to knowing. And, and like the feeling response is like immediate, um, like not just a gut gut thing that you're doing. Um, the thinking is like pausing a little bit and then responding. And then the knowing is like diving deep into something, really understanding it and then posting about it. I feel like we're right now we're, 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 we're interacting in a way that's just like feeling, feeling like saying something based on feeling, not Let's even say it's a reaction and, instead of a response. Exactly. We're, we're exactly. reacting to the moment right there, not looking further into it. Yeah. And it's so easy to do that now than it was 10, 20, 30, right. 40 years ago. Ago, yeah. Just like putting time to to write to a newspaper of, like in an, about and an article, you're going to check your facts before you submit something that you're posting. <laughs> compared to now, we assume so. I yes. I, I yeah. have not looked back into the history on that, but it's really easy again to see the disservice that social media does. However, we can also look at the service it does, mm-hmm. where people will post somebody's missing and and they find them. And there are people spreading good stuff out on social media too. So even though there is a lot of negative, it's a complex environment that has a lot of good and it has a lot of bad and you get to decide what you're going to focus on. They say, I don't even remember the number now, like we have between 6,200 and over thoughts a day. And the, the majority of us have more negative thoughts than we do positive ones because it's a form of survival. Like if mm. I, I'm taking care of myself, I'm protecting myself. And then we just react on it rather than stop back and say, like, is this true? And if yeah. it's true, do I need to be the one to say it? And does it need to be said right now? Like when I post anything of a challenge that I'm personally going through, which I don't post on positive focus, this would be on my personal page. I try to do it in a way that's going to create change for whoever else might be experiencing it. Because once you post something that's negative, like how dare they do this to me? Generally speaking, everybody's going to post, that's horrible. How could that have happened? And you're staying in the blame, shame, complain energy, not moving into solution um, places. So it's important to pay attention to what you're sharing. All right. Wow. Um, 
I mean, social media for good, rallying people to have global hug events, like boom. There you go. <laughs> hey, because of social media, I was able to find yeah. people all over the world. I, I'm sure I could have without it, but it made it much easier for me to do. Yeah. Man, this is so exciting. So what's the future for positive focus? What do you see five, 10, 50 years from now? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I hope that we get this COVID under control. Yes. Um, definitely. I, I just know personally, Again, I was not a hugger when I started, and I've seen so many experiences of how it has shifted people and just how their eyes light up in that moment. And, and even, it's always so amazing to me because people in pretty much any aspect have um, judgments on what is the best of something. So like if it's not a heart to heart hug, it's not a good hug um, or it's not the best hug. The heart to heart hugs are the best or it yeah. needs to be a 20 second hug for it to be healing hug. And I've had many a healing hugs that certainly weren't 20 seconds. I've had some 20 second hugs that were a little bit uncomfortable. So when I've had somebody come up to me who barely touches me, that's sometimes, well, I shouldn't say sometimes it's often more powerful to me than the bear hugger, because I know Mm. that that bear hugger is comfortable hugging. And I love that hug. Why they have to pick me up. I'm not sure of, but I know that they are in their zone. The person who barely touches me had to come out of their comfort zone to even do that. Yeah. So it was a powerful moment, whether they were able to fully embrace or just kind of pat me on the back kind of thing. So I, I think it's really about that um, connecting people and seeing people. And that's my goal is to help people feel seen and heard. Um, my favorite way to do it is through hugs. I certainly love coaching, but when you're individually coaching people or a small group, I, I really want to reach as many people as possible. So that's my favorite thing is to do it through hugs. Well, this is amazing. This is, this is a blast. Is there anything, Carol, that you want to leave us with? How, how, well, first of all, how can people get engaged? Where could they find you? Um, yes. And then and anything you want to leave us with? I would like to tell just a couple more stories so people understand. There's two things on the hugs. One, I cannot express enough because now I'm known as the hugger. (laughs) I was scared to do it. So it's a scary thing for a lot of people to even consider hugging a stranger. A lot of people that's, but it's, I encourage people to try it in a safe place, but it really is. I was not that person I've had. I mentioned um, the elder woman. I have been, Um, at protests between Palestinians and Israelis and standing Mm -hmm. between people who are arguing and asking them to calm down with my hug sign. And they did calm down. I had a situation. I've been, I hug at a public park downtown Chicago. So there's often protesters sharing that space with me. And there was a day where they were protesting police violence. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these police around to keep peace of this protest. The protest was very peaceful and they were chanting as they walked by and it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people walking by. There was probably a hundred police in that area too. I mean, it was packed with people. And after the protesters walked by, three officers came through the line and got hugs and thanked us for being there. And one of them had like tears in their eyes. You could just tell like, I'm not even going to go into the whole police situation because, again, it's complex, Um, but they needed to be seen in that moment and wanted to be seen as a person, not the officers out there who are doing that harm. So it's really a moment just to be able to connect with people and to be seen and to be heard. So that's why it's so important to me. 
Yeah. That's, those are powerful stories. Um, yeah, it's amazing how much and how powerful a hug could be. <laughs> or even like having a sign that says free hugs. Like yeah. even like reading that, you're just like, gosh, why was I mad again? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we're in a very public place. We still have more people walk by us than actually yep. stop for hugs because it's an uncomfortable hugging a stranger. But a lot of people will smile or thank us, especially if there are protesters there. They'll point to us and say, we need more of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's an interesting thing. And as far as getting in touch with me, it's positive-focus.org is the website. And right now, as far as getting involved, what I'm really looking for is hug ambassadors. So people wherever you are in the world to join me on our next global hug event and to, you know, get your friends together. And if you have a presence on social media or you're that kind of person who loves reaching out to people to reach out to other communities in your area to get as many people offering hugs. Cause I, I witness people like a lot. I, I live alone. And if you don't have a that physical touch and a hug from someone so it's i think it's just really important i will now step off of my hug yes 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 is there there anything you want to leave us with before we close out um i i think it's really just important to understand that there's seven billion people in this world but there's nobody like you so the more you honor yourself and take care of yourself and work on focusing on what you want in your life and just being gentle and compassionate um, that's what I hope for you. All right. Well, Carol, thank you so much for your time and, and thanks for, for spending it with us. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you know of a great organization or individual leaving a positive impact, we'd love to tell their story. Check us out and contact us at gtzp.org. Don't forget, for more stories like this, you could also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Instagram followers are link trees in the bio. And for podcast listeners, we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for listening and see you again soon.